Amy, we've got a bunch of little nieces and nephews between us, but we've also got a catch-all gift that all of our siblings love for their newborns. You're totally right, and it's Pampers Swaddlers, because Pampers Swaddlers wick wetness away to keep babies drier and subsequently parents happier. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better versus the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance. They're hypoallergenic and they're free of parabens and latex. Now you can try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes won't tear. In fact, they grip mess, shall we say, more firmly and clean better, leaving baby skin dry, soft, and smooth. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers Cash has no cash value. Hello and welcome to Fresh Take from What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the face of motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And today we're talking to Rachel Nielsen. She's the host of 3 in 30 Takeaways, a podcast for moms who want to love motherhood as much as they love their children. Each 30-minute episode features three actionable takeaways to help mothers thrive within their family lives. Rachel lives in the mountains of Idaho with her husband and their two miracle children, Their son, Noah, is adopted, and their daughter, Sally, was conceived through IVF. Welcome, Rachel. Well, thank you. Thanks so much for having me. I love your show, and I'm so excited to be here. Tell us about your journey to parenthood, Rachel, because it has lots of twists and turns. So my son, Noah, is adopted, and that was after years of infertility treatments. We actually started adoption and infertility treatments at the same time because I just thought, we'll just see what happens first. And that seemed like a good idea, but it was incredibly emotionally intense to be doing both at the same time. I wouldn't do that again, Mm. but we ended up getting our Noah. He's 10. And then a few years later, we did IVF and got Sally, my younger. So it's been a journey. And your adoption is an open adoption. Is that correct? It is very open and we love his birth parents. His birth mom actually passed away a few years ago and it's been such a blessing that we had that open adoption with her. We have all the pictures and everything. So we have all the memories and we're still very close to his birth father. So that's a pretty special thing. One of the interesting things about talking about motherhood is that it is this huge spectrum. People have such different experiences of coming to motherhood. And then obviously people have such different children. As it turns out, these children are humans (laughs) who turn out quite differently, often than we expect. How much of that informed you wanting to talk about motherhood and bringing your story into talking to other moms? Um, Well, I definitely think that I had a view of what motherhood would be like and what I would be like as a mother. I really thought that I knew. And then I came into it and realized that motherhood was not at all what I thought it would be like, especially after fighting for these babies for so long. I thought that I will just love every minute of it. And I gave up my career willingly. I was like, I'm going to want to be home with these little miracles. And then I really missed teaching. I was a high school English teacher before and found that I was lonely. My kids weren't how I thought that they would be. And So I started reaching out, listening to other mom podcasts and reaching out to other women to try to kind of find 
my place and my groove and how I wanted to do motherhood and eventually decided I didn't want to go back to teaching full time because mostly because of all the grading. <laughs> <laughs> oh, the grading. <laughs> oh, oh my gosh. Now, I love teaching, but the grading. And so I decided to start my podcast as a way to keep teaching. And it's been such a blessing for me to be able to learn from so many different types of moms, so many different you know, skills and ways to relate to different kids. So it's been a huge blessing in my life. I wanted to ask you, so I had an infertility journey of my own, took me a long time to get pregnant with my oldest child. And I do think that affected me. I was a very, you know, sort of perfectionist new parent and trying to do the best birth plan, the best, like feed them the best, right? That every moment has to be optimally challenging or whatever. And I think that the infertility for me, like the struggle to become a parent did put me in a mindset where like I fought too hard and too long for this to waste one moment. Oh, absolutely. And I think when you add adoption onto that, I knew what his birth parents had given up. Mm. And so I felt a lot of responsibility to really do this well. His Both of his birth parents were teenagers and they decided to place him because they thought that we would be better prepared. And here I'm feeling I'm actually not prepared at all. <laughs> you know, I thought I was, but I'm like, I owe it to them to do this really well. And so there was that added layer, I think, of it wasn't real. It was me putting it on myself, guilt and responsibility of wanting to get this just right and wanting to be perfect. And it, that led me to a lot of depression. And I guess there's actually a thing that's like post- Wow. Adoption depression that's similar to postpartum depression, mm. where you can really have it's such a complicated circumstance a lot of times, adoption, and you don't get the same kind of support that you might get postpartum. People think you're just fine because you didn't have the baby. And so Right. It's like, oh, it's hormones or nothing. Right. So you must be fine. Right. Yeah. And I was really lonely and depressed and discouraged and didn't even really realize that I was struggling with depression until later and looked back and thought, I think I just assumed because I didn't have the baby that there was no way I could have like postpartum depression. But I had my own form of depression for sure during that time. It was really difficult. And you've talked a lot about mental health on the podcast and dealing with depression and what it's obviously a huge topic and it's not like, okay, get, here's your answer. It's time to solve depression for us. But <laughs> what are some of the things you've learned in talking to people about depression for the podcast that have been really useful for you? Yeah, I think number one is just knowing how to recognize depression. Like I said, I didn't realize that I had it when I had it. And so I think understanding that depression can manifest as anger. It can mm. manifest as so many different things that just if asking the people around you who know you well, how do you think I'm doing? Do things seem off to you? Sometimes they can give you a perspective that you may not be able to have yourself. And then not being afraid to reach out for help. I did go to therapy when my son was about a year old. I started going to therapy and probably should have taken medication then, but I was resistant and thought like, I don't need that and I can fix it. Right. I can love my kids enough to get through this. Yes. And then after my daughter was born a few years later, when I was like having panic attacks, I realized something is up. And that's when I started taking medication that has helped me tremendously. And I think I was worried that medication would make me not myself but I actually feel like it makes me more myself. I feel like myself. And it's almost like I couldn't even access 
the emotional coping tools that I was learning in therapy, I couldn't access those until I took medication to get me to sort of like a baseline. And then I was able to start doing like the thought work and all of those things. But until I got to that baseline, I didn't even have the capability to access those tools, if that makes sense. So I would say, get help. Don't be afraid. There's lots of different options for help out there if you are feeling in that dark, heavy place that I was in. And something that you talked about that we've talked a lot about, and I feel like I have such a different perspective from talking about on the podcast, I had terrific postpartum anxiety, meaning horrible postpartum, not terrific. Like it was awesome. Just <laughs> Positively, to be yeah. yeah. It Towards was terrifically gigantic. <laughs> and I think that I didn't even realize at the time that that was probably a diagnosable and if not fixable, workable with problem. But I was so trapped on those words, postpartum depression. Mm-hmm. And because I did not feel depressed, I thought, I kept thinking, I don't have that. Because it was not manifesting for me personally as sadness and crying. It was manifesting as like racing intrusive thoughts about things that could go wrong with my kids. Oh, amen. And I do think for anxiety in particular, if it's something that would not have stressed you out before and it's causing you tremendous stress, that's my clue that it's going beyond just stress and nervousness to like diagnosable anxiety. I remember standing in the grocery store and feeling absolutely paralyzed after my daughter was born because I did not know what groceries to get for my family. And I thought, I've never really liked grocery shopping, but it wouldn't have sent me into like a state of paralysis before. Something is clearly up. And so that was a sign to me as well that I needed to get some additional help. I think I missed it a little bit because I kept thinking oh, I've just opened a door to understanding because I have a baby about dangers that I never saw before. It felt Mm -hmm. very logical to me, but only looking back on it do I see, oh, it was really exaggerated and out of control. But because I had this new thing in my life, it felt very logical to me. Like, of course, I'm checking the baby 300 times an hour because that's the logical thing you do when you're worried that a baby is going to have a horrible occurrence. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I put give a shout out here too? We had Amy Koppelman on the show a couple weeks back talking about Postpartum Support International as a really good resource. And I'll put the link in the show notes. Anybody who's listening to whom this resonates, like I'm not depressed exactly, but I do have this heightened this or that. There's really good resources on that page, which I will link to, that explain that almost 30 to 40% of women experience an uptick in depressive or anxious symptoms that can take a lot of different forms. And there's a lot of different ways that you can be helped. And it isn't like, well, I don't earn this extreme diagnosis. Therefore, I just have to be alone with this and suffer in silence and in this incredible isolation that new mothers have, which I think is the other complicating factor. You're the only one going through this and you're going through something where you are the only one who can do it. Yeah. And I think what you said there is so huge. I think sometimes we think, well, it's not bad enough to quote deserve a diagnosis or it's not as bad as this other woman who I heard her story. So it must not count. Anything that is abnormal for you, anything that is inhibiting your ability to function well in your life is enough of a reason to talk to your doctor, to talk to your partner and see if you should get in some counseling, talk to your sisters, whoever it might be in your support group and say, I'm not doing that well and and come up with a plan for it. We're talking to Rachel Nielsen from the 3 and 30 podcast and we will be right back. 
Margaret, I've got a go-to baby shower gift that I give whenever there's another newborn in my life. Can you guess what it is? Amy, three guesses. First two don't count. It's Pampers Swaddlers. Exactly. Pampers Swaddlers keep baby skin dry, happy, and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers absorb wetness better than the leading value brand and provide up to 100% leak-proof skin protection and up to 0% skin irritation. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist-approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Try Swaddlers with new Pampers Free and Gentle Wipes for healthy baby skin. These wipes are five times stronger, gripping mess more firmly, shall we? say, and making diaper changes a breeze. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Then redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. Only redeemable via Pampers Club. Pampers cash has no cash value. Margaret, I've been at the research again, looking into metabolic health and more importantly, metabolic flexibility, which turns out is the key to improved energy levels, better sleep, better fitness, all the things. And I found out about all this because we got a chance to try Lumen, the first handheld device that helps you manage your metabolic health. Lumen works when you breathe into it. If you do that first thing in the morning or after a workout, Lumen measures your metabolism by measuring the amount of carbon dioxide in your breath. It's science, people. That lets you see exactly what's going on in your body in real time. Then you use Lumen's app to get tailored guidance to improve your sleep, your nutrition, even stress management. If you're interested in figuring out the effects of different sorts of foods on your body, Lumen is a really cool way to see what's actually happening as your body burns different Different fuel sources. If you want to take the next step in improving your health, go to lumen.me and use Fresh to get $100 off your Lumen. That is L U M E N dot M E. Lumen.me and use the code Fresh at checkout for $100 off. Thank you, Lumen, for sponsoring this episode. We're back. We're talking to Rachel Nielsen. She's the host of 3 and 30 Takeaways podcast. Rachel, I wanted to ask you about a parable that you heard one day that really changed your outlook on parenting. Yeah. Well, and this is a perfect connection to what we were just talking about with the depression and the anxiety and the new motherhood. When my son was a baby and I was feeling so discouraged and so mad at myself for feeling discouraged in my motherhood after this long-awaited miracle baby had finally come to me, I happened to hear a sermon, a religious sermon, where the preacher who was talking shared the story of a young miner in the California gold rush who had heard about gold in California and thought, oh, it's going to be so easy. I'm going to go strike it rich. And he just journeyed west and expected to find huge nuggets just sitting there waiting for him in the river. And day after day, he kept dipping his pan in and just finding rocks, 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 chucking them to the side. Eventually, he was so disappointed. He thought, I'm just going to go home. There's no gold in this river. And an elderly prospector who was walking by said to him, there's gold here, all right. You just have to know where to look for it. And he cracked open the rocks and showed the young man that there were these little flecks of gold inside the rocks. And the young man said, no, I want big nuggets like what (laughs) you have in your pouch. He could see that the old man had like a weighty leather bag on his belt. And he, the older man opened it up and showed him that that was just the accumulation of hundreds of flecks of gold that had given his pouch this weight and had brought him this wealth. And when I heard that story, he wasn't talking about parenthood. It was a different principle, but I related it to my life at that moment of 
I had expected motherhood to be a series of big golden nuggets that would be easy to find that I would just pick up every day and that it would be so blissful and joyful and that I needed to start looking for the flecks of gold and mining them out and digging for them in my life. And so I started a gratitude practice where I would just write down one fleck of gold each day that I was experiencing with my baby, but also sometimes just by myself, you know, or with my partner, just something beautiful and golden. And as I did that, it became much more instinctual for me to see those things because I was looking for them. And so all of a sudden I would be in the middle of a moment and I would think, here it is. This is my fleck of gold for today. And so it kind of started to change my perspective. And then as I would write it down, I'd kind of relive it and get the happy emotions at the end of the day of writing it down. And it really, in addition to therapy and these other things we talked about, this gratitude practice, I think, slowly pulled me out of that slump and helped me to see that I was a good mom, that, you know, even though everything wasn't easy with my children, there still were magical moments. And it's really become a practice where I've been able to give weight to the moments that matter in my motherhood and sort of let go of all the junk that doesn't matter and focus in on those weighty golden moments. I love this. I want to go back to the minor because it occurs to me while you're talking about the minor that he thought this was going to be easy. It occurs to me, but, right, but first he journeyed across the country. Like there's gold in them our hills. You were promised. He was promised that you have to undergo this terrible journey, which for you was infertility, pregnancy, the adoption journey, right? This long, arduous struggle. And then you're going to get there and then it's going to be easy, right? And then there's gold. Then you just pick it up. Mm -hmm. And what he was discouraged by was like, wait a minute, I was promised that there would be this reward for that struggle. And now it's just still struggle. Yeah, it is. You're going to have to continue to work hard. And I think sometimes mothers are judged for feeling these feelings and not loving every moment. But we were, I think, sometimes by the you know hallmark industry out there, it's forced it upon us that it is going to be easy and wonderful and we're going to treasure every moment, right? Yeah. And that's just not reality. That's not what happens. Yeah. <laughs> Glad to hear that. And on the flip side of the metaphor, the nuggets of gold that we're seeing is like other moms who we think we're doing worse than. Right. Mm-hmm. So like I hand make all the Halloween costumes and then start decorating for Christmas the next day, moms. The other part of that metaphor is so resonant. Looking at other people and being like, you have found a magic door to special motherhood and I am stuck on the side of the door that is not satisfying motherhood. Mm-hmm. And I think also the power there of the mentor showing him Mm -hmm. that's not really what it's like, you know? And I hope Mm -hmm. that we all have some of those women in our lives, those mother mentors. It can be people we actually know in our circle. It might also be podcasters we listen to. I'm sure that the two of you are that for a lot of moms who listen to your show. Just reminding, you know, all of us, especially those that are new to motherhood, that that's not what it's like, but the flecks of gold are here. And here's how to find them. Here's how to pull them out and to give them the weight that they deserve. One of my motherhood mentors during that time told me, in motherhood, the difficult moments sometimes outnumber the beautiful moments, but the beautiful moments outweigh the difficult moments. Mm. And so that was such a great image for me to remember. And even coming from a woman that I admired so much, her saying, this is normal, but hold on to those flecks of gold and let them weigh more than the numerous difficult moments that you face every day with your really hard baby. Yeah, because the other thing this pushes back on is the enjoy every minute, which is something that we talk about a lot. And it 
I'm sympathetic to the older moms now that I am a mom of older kids. I mean, my youngest is nine, but I get it. I see a little baby and I'm like, oh, I don't even remember it. Like, oh, I wish I could go back in some ways. Mm-hmm. But enjoy every moment is just horrible advice, period. Yeah, it really is. So how does this fleck of gold framing help you push back against that when you were in this moment of like, I must be doing everything wrong. This kid deserves more, right? I'm not doing this right. Was finding that fleck of gold really hard at first? Or was it reassuring that it wasn't that hard? I think that it depends on the day, you know, and I still do this Mm. flex of gold practice. And some days it's easy to find them and other days and seasons, some seasons, it's really hard to find those flex of gold, especially when certain kids are going through really hard seasons of their own. Yes. You know? <laughs> very <laughs> I relate. Hard. Very hard. But I do think that, and I hear this a lot from women in my community. So I actually created a journal, the flex of gold journal, that is a specific journal that women can track these flex of gold. And a lot of women who have started using the flex of gold journal have said to me, that once they've gotten into the habit, they see the gold everywhere. Mm. Like it's like they retrained themselves to see it. And so it seems more plentiful. It was probably there all along, but it just retrains your brain to notice the good that's in your life. That's the reticular activating system in the brain. Ooh. Yeah. That our brain, we can train our brain to notice what we want it to, like to look for yellow cars. Mm. That, and But it will look for it, but it doesn't understand the word no. So if you say like, stop looking for the annoying stuff. I don't know. It doesn't understand negatives. So we'll like, look for the annoying stuff is what it will hear. But if it hears, look for gratitude, look for yellow cars, it will. And then all of a sudden you're seeing yellow cars everywhere. So you can retrain it. Or so I've heard. I'm a little bit earlier in this practice. (laughs) Rumor has it. I didn't know that was like an official thing with a name. That's what Amy's here for, the official (laughs) names for things. Yeah. Because I'm like, when you start, if you're looking for a yellow car to buy yourself, all of a sudden, all you see on the road is yellow cars. And it's similar when you're looking for the good in your children, when you're looking for the good in your life, and not in like a cheesy, you know, like Margaret was saying, like, enjoy every moment, not in that way, but just looking for those really special moments and things, you'll start to see more of them. Rachel sent us the Flex of Gold Journal. It's gorgeous. Beautiful. It's a great gift for, I was going to say a new mom, but really any mom. It's a beautiful journal record, like just, just a beautiful gift. And it takes the pressure off, right? This sounds like, oh, this might be hard work. I had a really bad day mm-hmm. and now I have to find a fleck of gold. But it's the lift is lighter and lighter, sounds like, as you do more of it. Yeah. And honestly, your fleck of gold can be like climbing into bed right now, with, like my <laughs> soft sheets, you know, yeah. like it doesn't always have, there are some days when you literally probably will not be able to find one with your kids, but you can find one in something else in your life and just remind yourself that I made it through today. Tomorrow's a new day. And do you imagine that this journal is a record that your kids are going to read someday? Or is this for you? Like there are certain kinds of journals that like burn this. Nobody's going to read this. Not even my partner that I'm sleeping with is ever going to read this journal. Is this a record of your days that's for other people eventually? I mean, it's totally up to what you want and what you're comfortable with. But yes, I mean, I think that this would be much more a journal that you would pass on than like your journal where you're you know, processing and brain dumping all of the hard stuff in your life. This is a record of your love for your kids. This is a record of the beauty in your life. And I think about how much I would enjoy reading something like that from my mom. Yes. My mom passed away when I was a teenager and she didn't journal at all. I have nothing written from her. And what a treasure it would have been for me to have 
some record of just like the small moments and the days that we spent together and the things that she loved about me. I had one listener tell me that she bought this journal for her sister who had been diagnosed with cancer Mm. so that her sister could start writing down the golden moments and the things with her kids. And this listener said to me, if the worst should happen and my sister does pass away, this is something that her teenage daughter could continue doing. And she could see her mother's Because it's a three-year journal. So you add one moment and then the next year, you see the moment from the year before when you add your next moment. She said, then she'd be able to see what her mom had written about like the beautiful memories that they shared. And that, especially having had a mom who passed away from cancer Mm. myself, that was so precious to me to hear that, that, I mean, I had never thought of how powerful that could be. And I can't even imagine how much that would have meant to me if in that same circumstance when I was young. That's incredible. And it's the handwritten thing, right? The the fewer and fewer of us have records of these things. I have a friend, her mother died of cancer. She has her mother's uh, recipe box, like old fashioned Mm. stuffed scribbled recipe box. And she works her way through those recipes and it's her mother's handwriting Mm. and she touched it. It's not like let me search my Yahoo archive for, right? It's just not not quite the same. So I see that this is worth it and you do it a little bit at a time and you're going to create something really remarkable. Yeah, I hope so. I mean, so the benefits are definitely there for you yourself in the moment, but I hope that it will also be something that will be meaningful to your whole family if you start this process. We're talking to Rachel Nielsen from the 3 and 30 podcast and we'll be right back. Amy, you know me well enough to know that my daily power breakfast is toast with peanut butter on top. Toast with peanut butter. It's also, by the way, one of my favorite power breakfasts. So we agree on that thing. We were recently together and we shared some toast with peanut butter. And I'm going to tell you, we used Hero Bread. It adds even more protein and fiber to that combo without adding any more sugar. Hero Bread has remade the carby, empty-calorie bread products into versions that include no net carbs, zero gram sugar, and fewer calories, plus more protein and fiber, while still being super fluffy and delicious. I was not sure that that particular combination was going to be possible, but Hero Bread has figured it out. Yeah, this is one I'm glad they let us try. It's like, it really tastes good. I've been trying to add more protein to my diet, and I would have thought that a hamburger rolls was not the place to do that, Amy. <laughs> but all of Hero Bread's products, from rolls to tortillas to croissants, we please, offer protein and fiber, zero to one grams of net carbs, and zero grams of sugar. Start your Hero Bread bundle on their website and get 10% off your order. Go to Hero.co and use the code MOTHERHOOD at checkout. I like this bread, people. It's H-E-R-O dot C-O and code MOTHERHOOD for 10% off your order of Hero Bread. Amy, when I'm dehydrated, I get headaches. I get cranky and I don't feel good in general. Also, I am dehydrated a lot of the time. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Because being good with the water bottle is one thing, but getting that sodium and potassium with the fluids, turns out that is the key to saying optimally hydrated. So whether you're looking to hydrate during your workout, while traveling, or at the end of a long night, Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes have got you covered with over 65 trace minerals, seven essential vitamins, and coconut water powder. Crisp and refreshing without any sugar, this is hydration powered by Sports Research. Each box has 16 little stick packs that you can take on the go, whether you're headed to an exercise class, a night out with friends, or a podcasting conference. 
And did we mention they come in delicious flavors from raspberry lemonade to cherry pomegranate. Stay hydrated with Sports Research Hydrate Electrolytes. Visit sportsresearch.com and use the code WHATFRESH at checkout for 50% off your purchase of Hydrate. That's S-P-O-R-T-S-R-E-S-E-A-R-C-H dot com, sportsresearch.com, and use code WHATFRESH for 50% off your Hydrate Electrolytes order. Before the break, we were talking about this journaling practice, and I think the Flex of Gold journal, as you said, it's short entries. So journaling has really different purposes, and I Mm -hmm. think that there's a purpose for journaling, which is let me put down the things I'm afraid to say to people, the kind of scary thoughts, the processing. There's a huge role for that kind of journaling. I've done a lot of it in my lifetime. And those are the journals. When my parents moved, I got a box of my old high school journals back and Amy was appalled. But I took the lid off. I opened one. I looked at one page of it and I threw them all in the trash. I was like, this is, I don't want to, the purpose of this was to process stuff in my life, but going back is going to give me a really bad feeling. Like, and I just Mm -hmm. took all of my willpower and put it right in the trash can because (laughs) I knew that there was no happiness for me in like revisiting like the really dark days of terrible relationships of my past or whatever else was in those books or stupid fights I'd had with people and getting angry all over again. But this kind of journaling, I think the flex of gold and what makes it like journals that you do want to share with people is that it is these magical moments, powerful moments, golden moments that you share with people. And those kind of things are very magical to revisit. I have a Christmas journal that someone gave me and we just write down like what the Christmas was like. And it's real. we read it aloud. It's really fun. It's not like, this was the darkest day. I regret having children. Listen, I've written <laughs> right. a journal, but that's not the one you want your kids to go revisit. Christmas journal is going to be it's guaranteed to be hopefully yeah. pretty upbeat. Yeah. <laughs> Even the Christmas journal doesn't get the real story of what happened on Christmas, let's be honest. It's true. Behind the scenes. Uh, and I will say I'm a lifelong journaler. I'm an avid journaler. And while I agree that you don't want to necessarily revisit all of this, if it's going to bring up a lot of stuff for you, you don't necessarily want to revisit that. I do think there's a lot of value. Like when I go back and I read from my early motherhood, how discouraged I was, it's valuable for me to see how far I've come mm, as well as it helps me to remember. It helps me to empathize better. It I've actually pulled excerpts from my journal and shared them on my podcast to say like, you're not alone if you're feeling this way, you mm. know? And because I have a mom who didn't journal, who I wish would have journaled, I think like, I hope someday when my daughter is a new mom, I can say, yep, it's super hard. Do you want to read how I felt about it? Here, Mm -hmm. read this, you know? And so Mm. there is value in all types of journaling. And while I support your decision to get rid of those that... (laughs) (laughs) It was the right choice for me. Yes, yes. I do think that processing as well as remembering some of those really hard times in our lives can be a blessing to us and to our children. If they get to read those things someday, I think it will make them feel more known. And like mom was a human and it's okay that I'm feeling this way too, now that I'm an adult. I will also say I had revisited the journals earlier at some earlier time when I found them probably in my parents' attic. And the one thing that I did take from it is like, it was so circular. I kept having the same Mm. situations and the same kind of relationship problems, whatever it happened to be. Like, again and again and again and again. And that was illuminating as well. Yeah. 
I have a friend who has been doing, uh, Gretchen Rubin suggests writing one sentence a day. It's not necessarily about flex of gold or gratitude, although I suppose some threads would start to show up. But you write one sentence a day. And Margaret and I have a friend. She's done it every day for 10 years. Wow. And my first question to her was like, what do you do if you forget the book and you go somewhere overnight? What, like, what do you do if you're sick? And she was like, then I don't do it. Like it's <laughs> it's okay. Like this is an assignment you're giving yourself. You're not your life isn't ruled by the one sentence a day. She tries to do it most of the time and you know, ninety-five percent of the time is good enough. And that was like, oh, you don't have to do it perfectly, you just have to start. That was news to me. Yeah. And I think that is a concern that moms have in my community who use the flexible journal. They'll say, I don't want to do it because if I can't be perfectly consistent, then those blank spots will make me sad. And I'm like, well, something is better than nothing, right? So having some memories recorded with your children is better than having no memories recorded with your children. And I just often tell women, just start from today. So let's say you forgot or you got out of the habit and you didn't journal in there for three months. Who cares? Don't throw out the practice because you didn't do it for three months. Let three months be blank and start with today and move forward. But that's hard. It's hard to give yourself permission to do that. But I think it's obviously the more powerful way to live your life is to just say, okay, that what's done is done and I'm going to move forward from here. I found my mother's, my mom has also passed away and I found her when she was still alive, her high school journal. It was so 1950s. It was like a leather thing with like the gold embossed lettering and it had a lock on it. And I kept trying to pick the lock and finally I just cut the leather strap because I was like, I have to know what's in this. And I was probably... I don't know, maybe early high school. And it was her high school journal. And it was so mm -hmm. fascinating to me. I mean, it was one of the most valuable things I've ever read. And one of the fascinations for me is I would open it and look at my birthday and she would be doing something boring. And I'm like, I'm going to be born on that day. Like it's <laughs> that relationship you have with your mother's mind and life is so fascinating to me. Like I would look at her wedding anniversary. It was her dating and it was the 1950s and she was dating a guy named Skippy and it was just so great. <laughs> And that she had a boyfriend named Skippy. It just was the most delightful experience of my life. Yeah. When I read my middle school journal, I can't believe how silly I was. Like, I mean, how dumb I was to be <laughs> frank. Like, I want a boyfriend. I want my period. I want, you know, all these things. And now I'm like, when my kids are being silly, I'm like, as an adult, you're kind of like, why are these kids so immature? You know? But then when I read that, I'm like, I was too. They all go oh, through yes. it. I wanted Abercrombie and Fitch and all the things. I'm like, luckily you grow out of that. And it gives me hope as a mom that like my kids are going to come out of their kind of silly phases that all teenagers and tweens go through. It's hard to remember when you look at them now, like, oh, we were into stupid stuff too. <laughs> yes. Let's talk about three and 30 takeaways from moms. How long has your podcast been going? Four years. We just celebrated four years this month. What do moms get when they come to this podcast? So I decided to start my show because I was looking for insight and wisdom from mom podcasts. But I found that a lot of them, I felt like the takeaways were really buried. Like I would listen to the whole interview or, or episode and I there were some good gems in there, but... I couldn't quite pull them out as easily. So I decided to start 3 and 30 because the three takeaways are very defined. It's a short length, about 30 minutes. So moms are busy. They don't have a lot of brain space. So I created it because it's what I was wanting. And it's been a huge blessing in my life. I was a high school English teacher, as I said before, and I taught my students to take a lot of 
complicated, complex, big ideas and boil them down to a thesis statement. And a lot of times a thesis statement has three parts, at least how I taught it. And so that's kind of what I do on my show is to take a topic and to boil it down to three main points and kind of develop them. And I interview, it's mostly not me. I do some solo episodes, but mostly it's all these expert guests um, that bring a lot of wisdom and understanding. And I get to learn a ton from these people where they come with their three best, you know, takeaways on any topic. That is the best thing about doing a podcast, isn't it? Uh, We've been doing this for five years now. And just, I really want to know about this. I really want to understand this thing better. So let's do an episode about it. Totally. Which will force us to do a little research, talk it out. I have learned so much from asking the questions that our listeners ask us. And through answering them, I've answered them for myself. Absolutely. My son the other day said, Mom, since you started your podcast, your parenting has improved insanely. (laughs) <laughs> really? I was like, well, thank you, son. <laughs> but it's true. I've learned from thank, so thank many you. smart people. And I'm a better mom because I have, you know, put their wisdom into practice in my home. That's awesome. Love it. All right. Well, we'll put links to the 3 and 30 Takeaways podcast and the Flex of Gold Journal in the show notes. But Rachel, tell us more about where we can find you. Yeah. So my website is 3and30podcast.com and you'll find everything there. And 3 and 30 Takeaways for Moms on any podcast app. And I would love to give, if it's okay with you, Margaret and Amy, I would love to give a discount code to your listeners for the Flex of Gold Journal. So we'll do fresh for 10% off. And I don't know when this episode will air, but it's a great Christmas gift and Mother's Day gift and anytime gift. So I would love for you to check it out, anyone who's listening. We have our own and they're absolutely gorgeous. We co-sign. We highly recommend. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, thank you. Rachel, thanks for talking to us today. Thank you. Yes, thank you so much for having me. Hey there, I'm Debbie Reber, the founder of Tilt Parenting and the author of the book Differently Wired. The mission of Tilt is to change the way neurodivergence, whether that's having a learning disability, having ADHD, being gifted, autistic, or some combination of all of the above, is perceived and experienced so differently wired kids and the parents like us raising them can truly thrive. On the Tilt Parenting Podcast, I get to talk with authors, therapists, educators, and parenting experts who are committed to this mission. I ask the questions my listeners are most curious about when it comes to supporting our kids. And in turn, my guests share strategies for challenges, out-of-the-box ideas for navigating school, best practices for therapies, tips for advocating, and so many thoughtful insights on what it really takes to help our kids grow up feeling seen and respected so they can create awesome lives for themselves. I know that raising a differently wired kid can feel overwhelming and isolating, but I promise you, you are not alone and it can feel so much better. If you're on this parenting journey, come listen to Tilt Parenting. Together, we can shift this paradigm and show up for our exceptional kids with hope, possibility, and joy. Margaret, it's an exciting news day. An exciting news day indeed, Amy. A few years ago, we launched our first spinoff podcast, Toddler Purgatory, hosted by the hilarious Blair Brooks and Molly Lloyd. And guess what? Now Blair and Molly are back with their all-new podcast, Unsticking It. You know Blair and Molly as two busy moms and actors, and somewhere between potty training and the pandemic, they both felt like they lost their creative kaboom. In their new podcast, Unsticking It, they are going to talk about how 
all of us can get back to what lights us up after motherhood. Amy, I need this. Me too. And Blair and Molly will be talking to fellow imaginative minds. We're talking actors, artists, and creators of all kinds about how we can all unstick ourselves from whatever muck we're stuck in. Follow, subscribe, and listen to Unsticking It wherever you get your podcasts. That's Unsticking It with Blair and Molly, because sometimes life stucks.